Welcome to the Transform Sales Podcast, where forward-thinking business leaders come to share their experiences and ideas, learn from each other, and amplify their results together. Hey guys, Amir Ryder here with the Transform Sales Podcast. Super excited to have uh, my guest, CEO and founder of Leadium, Kevin. Kevin, how are you today? I'm doing well. It's great to be here. Kevin was also, I, you know, I didn't know this and many don't know this, but you're one of the founding members and founders of Science uh, with a C, one of the one of the, the largest outsourced B2B companies. Um, probably got a lot of stories to tell. We'd love to kick off by just kind of knowing your, your journey. What, what got you into, uh, what, what, what made you found Science and, and later uh, create Lidium? Let's, let's drive right into that. Yeah, the, the, the sped up version, because I've gotten really good at this, is my background is in tech. I was a, a project manager for a design team uh, for an Australian company that came over to the U.S. in 2012 and listed on NASDAQ. That kind of uh, got me the bug a little bit in tech. I moved from D.C. to New York to San Francisco to L.A., chasing a couple different tech companies back in that what was much different boom um, in 2012, 13, 14. Throughout the kind of that process, uh, I had a kind of a, a myriad of roles from, you know, project manager uh, to a success manager, which I was in for a, a couple years. And success kind of makes you think about product, especially early days of product, a little bit differently than maybe the product team or the sales team or even leadership, because you're kind of dealing with what did we sell? Oh, we can't execute. What do actual people want? What do they want to see out of the product? Um, and then it kind of led into sales. What I realized was who cares about product, who cares about success, who cares about everything if you don't have sales and customers. So that was kind of the journey to kind of digging into sales. That's when did you did you just to dive into that? Did you see people that built amazing products that neglected sales and failed? Uh, yeah, the first tech company, which um, moved from uh, uh, Australia, Perth, to Washington, D.C., a company called Reckit and Moco Social Media, we raised 20 or $30 million to do that NASDAQ listing. We were delisted off of NASDAQ within 16 months. We burned through 25 to $30 million in a year and a half or two years. It was kind of that heyday of capital raise and, and living it up, but we really we really didn't have a product that could execute. It was in the collegiate intramural space and the product was, you know, a baby compared to what it was being sold as. And that kind of combusted the company from within is, hey, you're, you're driving interest and you're getting some sales. You don't necessarily have a product to back it up. Those customers are then churning, especially if you don't have a great revenue model to retain customers, you kind of churn them out. Um, and that kind of combusted so just a, a the disconnect company. between the VC funding, the product and what the customers really want. You got to sit in the middle and be like, ah, yeah, I have I have uh, that first kind of experience. I had the Hollywood, uh, you know, movie you can make out of it, which is lie to investors. Under the, 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 the Thanos is a show called exactly uh, the, the first class. Out first class plane tickets, everything. And it was kind of a shield. So I saw everything not to do in that company. And that's kind of when I started joining some tech companies in San Francisco and New York. And you start to see how things are done a little bit differently, but there's still some shrouded reality on what's being sold, what can be delivered, how do you bridge those gaps with a success team um, and, and kind of still drive the needle forward. So that's kind of what led me into sales was just the realization that 
and your company will will fold. There's no way you can employ people, build product, continue to do great things if you don't have revenue. And fundraising only lasts so long until you, you actually can't start pay signing. Back investors. Right. Yeah. Exactly right. Uh, so that led to sales. Yeah, and and being me and having that kind of entrepreneurial mindset throughout the tech companies, I didn't just want to go work for one company, kind of wanted to do things on my own. That's where I met my co-founders and we started um, a company at the time in 2014-15 was one of the first sales agencies that's really become normalized today. You see a lot of yeah. SDR appointment setting agencies back in 2014 and 15. It was kind of revolutionary. I know CloudTask was a bit in that space back then too. There was only a few of us big players. Um, outreach was not outreach. Sales Loft. Sales Loft used to be almost known as a product called Cadences, where they actually yeah. had a data company and it wasn't an automation platform. They pivoted during that time frame. Um, a lot of the tech that we know of today and that these SDRs know of today from Gong to Sendoso didn't even exist in like the 2014 era. Um, and so we were all leveraging that idea of, hey, this SDR space is about to skyrocket. And how do we become kind of an agency for clients? And that's where we uh, first launched a company called Leadware. We built that, or uh, yeah, Leadware. We built that up pretty heavily, and that's when um, it was acquired and transitioned into uh, science um, uh, in 2015-16. And that's when Sergey and myself decided to leave uh, after that exit and say, you know, sales is not scalable. That's a, a myth in this space is, hey, can you scale, you know, sales? Can you build a repeatable process? Impossible. I think that's one of the biggest myths out there. Um, and that's what science was trying to do. That's what a couple of players are trying to do is just build that factory floor of a BPO for just get in, make phone calls, send emails, just mass, mass, and you'll build a pipeline. Um, but what I preach now to any prospect we bring on is, hey, every Every company, your your product's different, your market's different, your go-to-market, your how you evaluate sales, how you evaluate knowledge about your market versus just pipeline, you measure things inherently different. And that just not, makes not it not size fits all. Exactly right. Um, so that's why we designed Leadium. It's to be a little more specific with how many customers we bring on, not to try to scale the operation and you know, the number one thing is you want knowledge, like you have to have knowledge when you're building and executing a program and knowledge in the sales space is the hardest thing to scale. Because if you're good at sales, you're probably making a quarter mil or more at a sales org at a and, and maybe only working four or five hours a day. Yeah, or more, right? I, I saw, you know, Salesforce paying enterprise AEs uh, over a million. Been, like the person who closed American Express, which was an inbound lead, you know, right. or into the multi-million dollar deal, you know, time to go IPO, we want to buy, right? So, um, yeah, so, so um, get into some of the questions I want to ask, but before I, I get into it, I want to make a statement. I'm like, I've known you for maybe six years now, right? I think we were, yeah. um, at the time, CloudTest was a service company like Leadium, and we were very friendly with each other, always talking about how the industry can improve and how we can help people better. Um, you know, I took the plunge of turning into the, the, the world's first B2B lead gen marketplace, right? And, and it was only natural that, Medium became um, one of the top 20 first agencies in our marketplace, right? Um, and it, it's been an honor to work with you thus far. And kind of flowing into all your experience, I think you're, you're the best person to ask. I think 
I think right now what people don't talk about unless in our space is, is you know, what not to do, right? I think there's a lot, a mm. lot to learn from what not to do. And I think sometimes it becomes challenging as a service company to tell people what not to do because they, they, they become a little adversarial, right? And hey, they, sometimes yeah. people don't want to know the truth, right? But on this podcast, they can't hide from it. And we're going we're gonna to talk about it. And, and I want to get into, I don't want to put a number on it, top five, top four, top three, whatever feels natural. But I just want to know how are you ranking? Because you've seen hundreds of customers. You've been a founder of one of the largest B2B companies. You, you, you own one of the top agencies in the market today. You know, what are some of the top reasons that people fail when it comes to ultimately hitting their expectations of being happy customers, right? If we backdoor, you know, happy customer into mm -hmm. them actually getting results. Like, let's start with number one. Like, what is the top thing you see people, the top mistake people make when buyers are looking to find agencies and hire them? Yeah, it's... um it's a lot, right? That's a great, yeah, it's a great question. There's a lot to unpack in it, um, especially when buyers are looking at agencies in this space. Because look, agencies aren't going away uh, anytime soon. I'm actually a firm believer, an unpopular opinion, but I think SDRs will go away. I think the role itself will tr be transitioned into much more of a uh, top of funnel strategist junior, and junior team, team management, J junior AEs. Look, the, the fact is, uh, you and I know very well, but you get clouded in this market by being following LinkedIn gurus who come from unicorn tech companies and have billions of dollars when they IPO and, you know, have a hundred, two hundred fifty million dollar fundraising rounds. And, and that's what we hear. And that's the world we live in. Look, as an mm -hmm. agency, you get kind of diluted because. 95% of businesses in America are, are smaller, medium-sized businesses that you would never know of, that don't play in the same space, that don't have the money and the resources, the revenue and the time uh, to do what tech is doing. But not a lot of people kind of stand back and realize that. And a lot of those same businesses aren't big on LinkedIn because, again, they just don't have, they're, they're operators. They're not kind of gurus They already have by product nature. market fit. The wheels are, yeah. are, 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 they don't have marketing dollars. The whole SDR position was created by Salesforce and they had too many inbound leads. They had so yeah. many inbound leads because it's Salesforce. It was product market fit, no competition, thousands of inbound leads. They created the SDR position to qualify leads. It is turned into something completely different than it originally was in that book, Predictable Revenue between you and I. Right, right? exactly. Aaron Ross kind of started uh, in 2014 and 15. That's what we all touted, right? Aaron Ross it, is it was making like, How do we this. qualify leads and how do we get junior uh, AEs to take a lower salary and then promote the good ones? Like that was it, you know? And it turned into no. uh, this whole thing. It, it's a, a genius. I mean, predictable revenue. And you were back there in 2014. Predictable revenue was the backbone of our agencies, right? We all touted, this is the idea. Create a predictable pipeline. Uh, create a conveyor belt of uh, sales development and make it predictable. The fact is, it's the biggest myth in the world. I think in book number two, he comes out and says, there is no predictable pipeline. You can't create a, like you can't predict market, right? Let's talk about COVID. How do you have a predictable pipeline when you have COVID? Let's talk about the market today. How many layoffs are happening? Fundraising isn't yeah. happening. Is your pipeline predictable anymore? Yeah, Hell no, it's process. not. Right. And so, okay, what we realize is you can't have a predictable pipeline. Um, I think but if we rewind a little bit, and if you're reviewing kind of agencies, one is not having a clear understanding of 
ROI for for what you're looking for. I think that's the biggest. So let's pause um, this. Number one, number one mistake you see buyers coming in, not having visibility into their ROI. Yeah, and what I mean by that is, I break it down like this. Agencies and internal SDR programs are not held equitable, right? For some reason, if you have an internal SDR, you're willing to work with them maybe for months when they're not hitting. It's basic tribalism. It's human nature. It's It's human nature because if there's a person there, they have a family. You have a responsibility to them. You want to help them succeed. You want to do all of this. But if you take all of that out of it, most organizations, and I talk to a lot of companies, most don't know how much it costs to execute one SDR. And what I mean by that is, let's talk about all the time it takes you to recruit and to interview, to hire, to train. And when I talk about train, you got to remember, you have to allocate trainers time. So the person who's actually doing the training as well as if the you have SDRs time. Right? Right. So you have to factor out the technology aspect of it, how much tech is going into it, benefits. What about time off if it's one week? What about maternity or paternity leave, which will be a serious item? What about all these things? What about what you don't know how to measure is, hey, we understand the payroll costs for one week or two weeks of paid time off, but you don't you can't realize the opportunity costs on pipeline had it had that person been there for those two weeks, how much revenue could they have potentially generated? It's almost impossible to analyze. So most organizations, one, don't know the cost of an RO, of a SDR. All they're looking at is top-of-line revenue, how much revenue was created. You, never, you don't get fired for hiring IBM. That's the whole saying. Right, that's, exactly that's right. The emotion. the emotion is we need to hire SDRs. And put a motor around us, right? We need we need sales. So how do you get sales? I don't know. Let's throw things at it. I think that's why Zoom Info, which I think uh, unpopular opinion, is probably <laughs> one of the biggest scams in the in the world right. right now. Like if you have use it or lose it data credits, why? If I if I licensed you for five thousand data credits, they shouldn't expire every month. You should roll over to the next month. I had like, that experience to connect and sell that same thing, man. Exactly. So expire. Never bought from them again. But what you're doing is you're capitalizing on people's need for revenue. I don't know how to analyze ROI, but I know I need revenue. How can I fix it? Everyone's saying SDRs, okay, yada, yada. But when that same company is evaluating an agency, suddenly completely different lens. I need you to book 15 appointments and I need you to book 15 appointments every month. Well, what about market conditions? Like what happens if we go through, well, you better figure out a way to book 15 appointments. Well. But that's not how it works. That's not how a sales development pipeline works. Uh, but suddenly they're valuing it on meeting booked instead of, hey, we're setting up a repeatable process. We're learning about our market. What what we're bringing you as our potential go-to-market messaging actually isn't resonating in the marketplace. Hey, we want you to be responsible for 15 appointments because we need sales, but we've never done outbound and we don't know how many appointments we should be setting. We, we don't know our conversion rates. We don't know our closing rates, right? We don't know anything. 15 meetings at 20% closing, it's the, the, is, that better than, uh, is that better than 10 meetings at 10% closing? You know, right. like that they don't know the math. So I want to pause. Yeah. I'm listening to you and I heard you, I hear you loud and clear. But it's also a combination of things, right? So let's start off from the beginning. You mentioned that they don't know their ROI, right? I will also add to that, that they don't even understand that their financial plan did not include an ROI. 
They right. raise, if you raise the Series A, B, C, D, you are not telling your buy your payback is twenty five months. You live. They literally go to investors and say, "Give me ten million dollars. I'll spend ten million. I'll make it back in twenty five years." So yeah. not only do they not know their ROI, they don't even realize that they raised. They they made a plan that told everybody, they told the world, we're going to burn money to make it back in the future, mm-hmm. right? Then they want uh, um, they want an ROI on, they tell you our sales cycle is nine months and six months later, they want an ROI because I've seen this every day. So yeah. we'll just tie this up. Number one thing is no awareness of the financial model and how that's built into the go-to-market model. We could say that, yeah, right? No awareness of sales development and the value that sales development, when done right, can drive an organization outside of appointments, which obviously it's sales, so everyone focuses on appointments. But no, there's very little awareness of the value of a great sales development program. And, I mean, you mentioning it. Hey, you know, I've had, our sales cycles. i back a year later and say, hey, we want to outsource sales because we just got a million-dollar sale, and it came from an SDR from an outsource agency we fired two years ago. Right? Yeah. Same thing. And, and then they want to come back. Look, it's this weird, and I've been in it for eight, nine years now. And Sergey, who's my co-founder, and I, we oftentimes talk like, hey, do we just get out of this industry? Like, it is such a, like, slum like the expectations are uh, over the top, the time that you have, if you hire a new employee, you're giving them months of ramp up time. Again, that human nature of, I need to make them successful. You when you hire me, an agency, basic tribal stuff. When you have an agency, you expect us to deliver in 14 days, which it, it, it's, it's a wrong expectation. You're setting yourself up for failure right from the top. And it's only in this sales world, I found it out because we hire a lot of agencies for marketing. And we've paid for, and we do a lot of R&D across different agencies and across different industries. You might spend four or five grand for a marketing agency to build your LinkedIn brand and your blog brand. And for four to five grand, which is arguably the same price for a lot of sales agencies out there today, um, you get two LinkedIn postings a week for your personal brand and you get two blog posts. And by the way, uh, ROI is who the hell knows, and the number of increased followers is throw a dart at the board. We don't talk about any deliverables. We just talk about you got to be consistent. You got to build your brand. You got to just do it. Results will come hopefully one day if you just keep paying us. It's like that SEO. How do you measure SEO and the effectiveness of it and how great that, that agency is doing? It's very difficult. But a lot of companies just on the marketing side have that knowledge of, okay, ROI might never be measurable and it might take years. If I'm hearing you correctly, it's basically like the, the principle, first of all, we can both agree, sales and marketing, they're basically tribal terms in general. It's all revenue and they're splitting. Tri- right. so basically marketing, marketing gets this pass of we're creating awareness, we're creating viewers, we're creating clicks. We're creating this bat. Sales is getting this. Did you storm the beach? Did you overtake that bunker? And if you didn't take that bunker, try right up that bunker. You have no weapons, right? It's like a, it's like a World War II analogy, yeah. right? So basically, so basically, let's unwrap this. They don't have a plan, and they don't even understand their plan. Then they're comparing the plan that they don't have to internal versus external, completely different. So right off the right. bat, you're fundamentally flawed. Like you just can't be happy if you don't have a plan and you don't even know your go-to-market plan or your financial model, and then you consider that an internal uh, SDR is different than agency, right off the bat, 
one and two. I will agree with you on that one, Kevin. All right. Like, yeah. you know, I wouldn't if I would. Then, no, no, then that's off great. Of that, there's another problem. The other problem is that they're coming up with a number from what they heard their friends. All the how many how many meetings your friends make yeah. them up? Fifteen. And guess what they don't say? You know what they don't say? You know what they don't say. Those fifteen meetings were people who filled out forms on the website. So you got yeah, companies. Well, they fill out I forms. Think, um, look, I, I think bridge I think bridge report, and I don't know the exact numbers, but I want to say that their average SDR, and I don't like bridge report. I don't like it at all. I don't like it for the SDR space. I don't like it for business because it makes people think that that is the standard. And if you actually look at the footnotes, I think bridge reports annual report is based on 300 companies a year. And the, and the, if 300, if. Uh, the surveys of 300 companies a year, and the majority of those are going to be uh, on the higher end tech industry side. These are not small business owners. These are not mom and pops who have been in business for 20 years and are trying to break into sales development who don't have a sales org, have been you know sole drivers, and hey, have several million dollars in revenue annually, but have never broke into this traditional B2B marketplace. But they're looking at this insight like it is the gold standard, and it's not. And even still, the Bridge Report, I think, has it as the average quota is between in today's market, like 14 to 20 appointments a month, 14 to 20, no context, I think it's, right? It doesn't have context. The context the and it tries, yeah, it tries to break the context down a little bit, but look at 14 to 20 appointments. That means, that means Chili Piper. That means outreach. That means these organizations that have million dollar marketing budgets are name brands have the same quotas that set a brand new company is coming to and saying, Hey, I need you guys to set 15 appointments and they for have me. Numbers. They have free trials. They got, they have, they have everything. They have a, they have a marketing. Yeah. They have a marketing department that can push out collateral, probably create custom, have company every access. Somebody to sign a hundred thousand dollar deal is expecting the same quota for SDRs that they could sign up free trial. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's not even fundamentally it's the same because I think in, in, in the sales, industry, you obviously have a lot of gurus pushing a message because their self-brand is obviously uh, being emboldened, but I think it's setting improper expectations for what needs to be accomplished in this sales space. And sales is hard. Uh, prospecting is even harder than sales itself. And I don't think there's a lot of awareness on that. And I think a lot of the 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 easiest thing I will say is when you do have a good product market fit, when you do have a great product market fit, everything clicks and it, it just goes along. If you don't have a great product market fit, if you don't know what your go-to-market messaging is, then, hey, you have to do almost discovery. You're going to have to pay to figure out where do we fit? What is our message? How are we going to position ourselves versus the alternatives? And that's going to take time. And that's going to take money in the discovery process because you just haven't figured out your fit yet. And I think that's what more and more customers who are coming to us realize. I just had a great call today um, where they said that, like, hey, we don't know. We know it's going to be months before we might be at appointments, but we have to start figuring it out. So I think they're starting so, to so use. Basically, people are starting to understand that a market validation campaign is very different from a campaign designed to have a planned ROI. Right. You mix the and look, two. And you got to think, there's two kind of classifications. There's companies who have well-oiled SDR machines. Fantastic. Keep doing what you do. Breed it. You know, uh, hire 
retain, turn out, promote, whatever you have to do, uh, a lot of times those aren't aren't an agency's client. You you invested and you built and you want it internal. Um, and there's reasons for that. And then you have this whole other market, which is the majority, which is, I don't know what an SDR is. There's still a lot of companies who have no clue what SDR means. All they know is we need appointments. And if you look at an agency like us and you look up our keywords and, and what's popular on websites, it's appointment setting, set more appointments. B2B Legion, appointment setting, yeah. Yeah, and like you know that prospecting and SCR's job is not just as simple as appointment setting. Um, but that's what the majority of the market is still hunting for because they know, hey, I need sales calls for our one salesperson so that we can close revenue. Um, but yeah, there's a lot, a lot of knowledge. So, well, do you yeah. think, so let, let's even frame this as so number one, lack of ROI and understanding of math your business. Number two, adversarial relationship between internal and external amplified by the fact that you don't have a plan. Number three is, you know you need revenue, but you actually don't understand the steps to get there and just a lack of education in B2B lead gen. That's the biggest problem you see. Yeah, I think, um, look, if you're a business owner, and if I'm speaking right to a small, medium-sized business owner where you're like, we need revenue, we need appointments, we know that this industry of SDRs is one that we can capitalize on, you're in a tough spot because there's a lot of agencies today. All of these SDRs who realize, hey, I can manage two or three clients myself and make more money than if I was a salaried and I can just be a 1099. This is fantastic. You have so many agencies then in, in 2014-15 that you're getting like the shining object. Hey, we'll set appointments. Sure. 15 to 20. Great. We don't do guarantees, but 15 to 20, no problem. Just yeah. give us three, four, five, six months. And then you, you bite on that because you have agencies like us who say, Hey, Oh, I have no clue how many appointments I'll set for you. Yeah. The truth, but this is Wait, what we're going to do. We're going to do problem number four, wanting to be sold, wanting to be sold, wanting what's unrealistic that buyers are making. They want to be sold. And right yeah. off, dude, I got the same story. I got a, I had a not-for-profit with a $50,000 ACV that was told by our account executive they get 35 meetings per month. They got 25. Their ROI was 5,000%. They still fired us. All right. Crazy. So yeah. keep going. I didn't mean to cut you off. I get also... I no, that's right. And if you look at if you look at the G two cred reviews, if you look at the clutch reviews of some of these bigger agencies, one that I used to be a part of, you'll start to see, hey, the sales team promised nice. us a million appointments, and we barely got one, or we yeah, barely great got two. Great marketing, great sales pitch, great. Yeah. Again, you want to be sold. You want, oh, you can set me appointments like and hit that number. This is fantastic. And you want them in an unrealistic time frame. So they're telling you that, yeah, we'll have it up and running in yeah. 10 days and you'll start to get appointments. Every time I lose a customer to science, because I tell them the truth, I put an automatic follow-up email saying, how did the campaign going? And 100% of the time, it's a negative response. And yeah, look, I, I won't like there. There's so many in the marketplace to name one wouldn't wouldn't be just because this is I mean, it's just the state of the nature. You want to be sold. We're sales agencies. We're going to sell you on what you want to hear. We're probably going to I think we should I think we should tout the warning bell. If you are being sold that you will get more meetings based off no data, run away, you will fail. I'm, I'm comfortable saying that, Kevin. Or have, force them to tie it in a guarantee in the agreement, right? If they're going to say it, then force them to, to do in a guarantee in the agreement or a full refund, whatever you are. Sell it back, right? If they want your business that bad and are willing to tout it, then hold them no. accountable. Um, because it's just I mean, not the truth bad. is that when people, when people go through this experience, 
they say to themselves, I've tried this before and it didn't work. And then they still go to agencies and they treat them even worse. So it's, it, it's a problem because what happens is when people hire sales reps and they fire, they're like, the guy was a millennial, the guy was trading Bitcoin, it was John, it was bad. But when an agency fails, it is the whole industry, the yeah. whole industry. So it's like, I don't know my ROI. I don't have a plan. I don't treat you the same. I want to be lied to. And when yeah. I fail, you're all the same, right? So I, we can call it out. I'm like, all of these things, I think, hurt ultimately, they, all, they hurt, comes back to the beginning of your conversation. They hurt the customer who wants a product, right? Because now money's being wasted. They can go into a product to make it better. So it's like, right. this hurts businesses, not only financially, it hurts people's careers. What happens to an SDR who would be a great account executive, loves tech, he has a quota of 15 meetings in the line. Now he's got a bad experience. He's not in the industry anymore, mm. right? I think these things kind of hurt everybody around, right? It makes sense. Um, top one, ROI plan, adversarial, wanting to be lied to. What is the last and most common mistake that buyers make? I think it's... Um... It's got to be, look, the, uh, these are all pretty much interchangeable, one through five, and you could probably replace them so with connected. another one through yeah. five. Um, but it's probably timeline. And look, I get it. There's urgency. Uh, there's urgency in every org, probably right now, even more relevant, where we need revenue, we need sales, we need pipeline. Um, but when you when you speed up outbound, it does nothing but hurt you. It burns your, your total addressable market. You spam. Uh, Google and uh, Microsoft are incredibly good at locking out spam, you know, bad actors today. 2014, 15, not the case. Email was king. I can blast 20,000 emails. They get opened, read, received, converted. The average number of appointments being set back then was 30, 40. Uh, now it's 10 to 15. So times have just become much harder. But if mm -hmm. your timeline is not realistic, then you know it's going to be a failure right out the gate. 90 days is pretty much you have to go into open mind of any appointment set in a 90-day framework. 90 days Fantastic. Is yeah, I would go and, say I would say six months to a year minimum. Yeah, uh, I would never, I would never sign an agreement with an agency for six months to a year. I would never sign an agreement with an agency for for three months. A lot of times, unless it's a great fit. When I was a service company, the customers that signed six month contracts with us were the happiest. Yeah, they just were because they gave sure. us enough. They they had, we had enough time to do what we did. So like I hear. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I argue sometimes that if you're. I never being customer centric, but then there's also the, how do you help people from hurting themselves? No, I get it. And, and you can say that that Salesforce's model or HubSpot has that model too, which is like, Hey, if you don't sign a year contract, you're never going to see the value of it. You have to invest. Like if you pick in the right agency and the right product, it makes sense. Now, if you're fine, I argue that if you, if you have the financial means to sign a six month contract and not worry about it, even if it doesn't produce, then you're probably a company that has a pretty good market fit anyway. Um, you're, I would say that in 2014, 15, 16, 17, probably a little bit different today because today is there's so many bad actor agencies who have 60, 70, 80% profit margins on any deal signed, even at a, a small amount that I've signed six months, but I'm going to do very little. I know it, I'll churn you, but there's so demand for, for people who want appointments that it's just become a bad market. And I always say, 
look, at the end of the day, it's SDRs, it's a sales development role. You would not hire a person with a guaranteed six month contract as an agency. In no, you sale, hire them with a plan, you give them the support, you give them training. Oh, 100%. If you, don't, if you don't plan on giving somebody three, six month roadmap in, in a sales development agency world, then don't sign, like, why are we even doing business? But if I'm not performing, if I don't fit, if you feel like we're doing a disservice after one, two months, you should have the ability to get out of a contract, just like you would fire an employee who doesn't show up for two weeks in a row. If I don't join client calls for two weeks or do this or that, you should have the same ability to exit. And I think that holds companies accountable. Do I think it's Is it safe fair? to say that no. Medium doesn't do any long-term contracts for those listeners? Yeah, we do all month-to-month -month agreements. But again, that that fluctuates back and forth. I like depending that confident on the smile on your face when you said that. Yeah, look, it keeps us on our toes. It means that every day we wake up saying, hey, it's a retention month for this client. How do we make sure we over deliver? Every month is customer success month. And look, as a sales development, as an agency, you have to think of it not as an appointment setter. You have to think about it as a sales development department. And I always say on our sales calls that, hey, it's very likely that we will miss quota on a majority of months. That's just sales. Meaning if you're setting a, a, a quota for us for 15, there's a good chance we'll hit 13 or 14 or 12. What's our responsibility as an agency is to come to you with why. This is why it happened. This is why we missed quota. No, this is what we're doing to adjust it. Experiment. It's a hypothesis. Exactly. You know, go to market and conclusion. Right. So, so those are the five. Fundamental nature, what you just said, is sales and marketing. And people don't realize that. But if you're not making assumptions that are based on data and you're either beating them, because if you beat them, you change your expectations. If you miss right. them, you change. So like, we also forget to say that it's a it's a double-edged sword with expectations. They move around constantly, right? Right. Um, let's put this scenario. So now I get a good picture of what these bad customers, these bad actors look like. These guys that have great products, they hurt themselves. We want to do a good job of helping these people just not hurt themselves. What is the ideal customer, the ideal buyer, the ideal relationship? He walks through the door. What is he saying? What does he look like where you're just like, this is my guy and I'm going to have a 10-year relationship with this guy or girl? That's a great question. We had um 10-year relationship. I think we're so experienced in this space that we would never project a 10-year relationship. I think we're, we're thinking that we're a, a long-term relationship. Yeah, the way a referring customer. I think we see it as if you get to three months, you'll get to six. If you get to six months, you'll get to nine. If you get to nine, you'll get to twelve. And if you get to twelve, we'll hang on to you for as long as the market conditions allow it. And what I mean by that is we've we've been a part of twenty two acquisitions to date. Just recently is a week ago, um, one of our longstanding clients for the last two and a half years was acquired. And unfortunately, during acquisitions, a lot of vendors don't make it through, and and the majority of of them don't, and, and we don't, um, because they already have existing infrastructures for it. Um, and so we've just gotten very knowledgeable on, even if you're fantastic, you might not make it through, but still, what makes a great client for Lidium? Let's start like and this, software or service? That's a fantastic question. Software, if you have a good product market fit already, uh, can, can translate so, well. So product market fit, software company. What's their average contract value? 
Uh, contract values we don't care about as long as it, it, it again that goes back to the question of how do you value ROI uh, because you look you can have a thirty nine ninety nine product you know that hey we either have to hire someone or for the same price as hiring someone we can get everything so that's instant well, ROI. If you had to pick a sweet spot, what would it be? I'll give you um, a range. $10, yeah, no, this is a this is a very relevant question because today, like actively, Sergey and I are saying, "Hey, we're 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 minimizing our company footprint. We're uh, getting rid of clients, and we'll go cold for months while we kind of reshift to the clients we want to work with." One is we're very good now with n new outbound, and that new outbound is really what. High power tech. Would we call that market validation. That's that's video. That's gifts embedded. That's very uh, targeted LinkedIn and just high touch personalized. And what we found is if you have a great visual product, sells fantastic. And by visual product, I mean I can get on Loom and demo it on what your website looks at. Think about Intercom when Intercom first came about. I can very quickly go on your website on a personalized Loom video and show you what Intercom embedded on your website would look like. And yep, that's yep. visual to a buyer. And buyers are still, I, I say outbound is a, a digital acquisition channel, just like Instagram marketing, Facebook. Buyers are visual. I need to visualize it. Um, and so software. if you have a visualize software demo. that's visual and unlike the and very quick to understand, and that aligns with a product market fit, it can't just be another thing or another one that candy. does the same. Painkiller, vitamin, candy. You got right. a candy, get a vitamin, we'll go to friends and family. Got a we'll painkiller. Yeah, we'll sell great, can execute fantastic strategies, have a high conversion rate because of all of that. Service businesses, we're still a fan of. Service businesses, twofold reason. One is um, you have great margins, so you can pay for agencies. You're already usually an agency yourself, so you know the value. Your ROI or perception of ROI is already built in because you are a lot of times a service agency. Um, Usually for that, you have to be playing in a niche. If if you're a marketing or advertising agency and you are play very well in a specific, like, green energy, and, hey, we're targeting green companies or doing this or that, and that's what we perfect, then it translates fantastic because all of your messaging and your go-to-market is built around that value proposition. So it's connecting with your users. So it's really all around... What is your go-to-market? Do you understand who you pick. are? I'm going to make you pick because you got the service company that focuses, right? And then you got the software company that demos really well. You got to pick one, service or software. What are you picking? Service or software. I mean, software is still the leader in the space. Uh, I mean, we would just pick software. That's fine. It's not a wrong yeah, answer. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I mean, it's not saying. Look, we always say if you have revenue and, and you want to build an uh, – if you have Your money – Your same analogy want... about that company, that agency, is the same thing from Cloudcast to Marketplace to you. That's why I'm trying to get you to speak. It's the same thing, niching down. Because I agree Yeah, it's hard. You. It's hard because it's we're industry. Say yes to something. Like when I was a service company, I would answer the question the same way. Because yeah. you want to help people, right? But if you had a never-ending spigot of software companies with a $50,000 average contract value that demo well, like Intercom, you would take yeah. it all day long. Oh, all day okay. long. All day perfect, long. Perfect world. But it's good to know. It's good to talk about, right? At the end of the day, I think, I think it's the idea that, that 
you know, all of us have to niche. I think even the software companies, the service companies, right? And that's that's the big point. Um, this has been awesome. I'm like, look, I, I look to you as a leader in the industry. I always have. I've always reached out to you. I've always picked your brain. I still pick your brain. I still send you things, and I'm I'm, I'm yeah. always asking you for your opinion. You're always honest. You're straightforward. You're on time. If people want to find out more about Lidium, where can they find you? And I know that you're more active now on LinkedIn because I'm commenting on your stuff. And your posts are basically blog articles that have facts, yeah. which I love. Um, but yeah. where can people find you? How can they interact with you? Yeah, Lidium IO is always a good one. We're we're updating our website. Look, we are we are sole owners, so we do everything. We're we're finishing our own design. We're finishing our own build for a new website, so that's going live. We'll have some fantastic content. We're launching a new podcast again, kind of the the future of sales right here because. Um, you know, as an agency, we got to think next step. We can't be doing, if you're seeing things already on LinkedIn, it's already too late. So our clients expect us to be a step ahead. That's why I say, Hey, I see SDRs going out Would of fashion. Um, yeah. and so that's kind of our mantra with the future of sales there. Um, yeah, LinkedIn, you know, we're, we're very, um, not outgoing in the social aspect, Sergey and I both. Tap number and cell phones. If he ignores you, you message me, and then I'll, I'll introduce <sighs> to him. Exactly. I gotta, I gotta so WhatsApp, uh, you know, LinkedIn is probably the best place right now. If you do LinkedIn, it's it's the place where personal brand is still king, and and we're getting bigger and bigger on that. Kevin, you're awesome. I'm like, this is not going to be the only podcast that we have with you. You're, like I said before, I appreciate you being one of the one of the top 20 agencies in our network, uh, one of the top content contributors, and just a, 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 a uh, an honest, clear, straightforward character in an otherwise sometimes cloudy space, which we're trying to make a little bit clear. So um, keep on rocking out, keep on craving clarity, keep on helping people, and uh, we'll do our best to share all the content, all the tips, all the tricks that you got with the world, so that buyers come in educated. And buyers come in and they're our teammates and they say, hey, these are our goals. These are our lives. Let's get this together, right? You charge X and Y, Z, here's a bonus, right? I don't need to negotiate. I want to give you another $1,000 to do it right, right? That's that's where the industry needs to head to. It needs to head to the point where um, agencies and W2s are treated alike because we are, right. right? We're all humans behind different vehicles, right? So um, appreciate you coming on. Look forward to you coming on again. And uh, that's it, man. I'll let you get back to... Uh, leading the way with the future of sales and helping people. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Amir. It was great being on. All right. Take care.